rejoice and be glad in it. As you stand up, let's put our hands in position to receive from God. Do you know that when your hands is in position like this, you're ready to receive from God the blessings that he has for us? I don't know about you, but I came. I came to make hell mad. I came today to make sure that the blessings of God will be expedient above what we ask or think. So cathedral faith prepares your heart and your minds to receive from God today.
Oh, come on, Cathedral of Faith. Let's respond to love this morning. Come on, is somebody grateful for the love of God? Come on, shout hallelujah in the sanctuary. Come on, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. It's your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. We say, your love never gives up. It never runs out on me. Singing your love never gives up. It never runs out. We're grateful. Your love. Come on, can we lift our hands in His presence and say, Your love never fails, never gives up. Come on. It never runs out on me. Singing, Your love never fails, it never gives up. comfortable at this moment, can we just extend our hands to the heavens one more time? Father, we are standing in your love right now. We are surrounded by it everywhere we look. Where could we go to escape the great love of God? I pray, Lord, that there's this overwhelming sense of your presence in our lives. Oh, God, how we need you. How we need you. Cathedral of Faith, pray that with me right now. Just say, God, we need you. God, we need you in our homes. We need you in our families. We need you in our relationships. We need you in our city. We need you in our country. We need you in our wins. We need you in our losses. We need you in our winning. We need you in our losing. We need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. God, and I pray that right now the love of God would pour over us as you have promised it would. Lord, that this love goes in deep into our wounds and brings healing. It goes into those places where we've lost great, great things. And it gives us comfort. It gives us a hope. It gives us a future. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would teach us in this season how to stand in your love. That we would stand in the face of opposition. We would stand in the face of chaos. We would stand in the face of fear. And we would have a confidence that can only come from our Father. You are with us. What could possibly be standing against us, God? Give us a sense of your vision, your perspective. Lord, that we would not so fearfully hold on to every little thing that we have. But, Lord, we would surrender and knowing that with our God, we can't lose. We can't lose. With you, Father, our loss is gain. With you, Father, our death is life. With you, Father, our loss is a win. Father God, Lord, let that get into our brain. Let it get into our spirit. Let it get into our heart. Let it get into our language. May we speak the love of God. 
Let us spread love instead of spreading hate. God, we stand in your love and we're promised because of, your, of what your word says that, Lord, fear cannot stand in the presence of God. Just like darkness can't stand in the presence of light. So, Father, we speak of your love and we hold on to it. In the name of Jesus, we pray all of God's people shouted, amen and amen. Come on, Cathedral of Faith, let's respond to the Father's love. Somebody just shout hallelujah. Somebody shout thank you, Jesus. Yay. Put your hands together with us. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own, when brokenness and pain is all I know, we say, I won't be shaken. Say it with me, say, I won't be shaken. That's it, come on. My fear. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Oh, shame no longer has a place to hide. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. 
Come on, look at your neighbor and say, my fear doesn't stand a chance. Come on, one more time. Can we give it up for Jesus? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And as we prepare the elements right now, we're going to partake of communion, but I can't imagine Jesus right there in Matthew chapter 26. The Bible says that he was breaking bread. And how fitting is this song? Because he was right there. And the Bible says that right after that communion, he knew that he was going to go to Gethsemane. And after that, he would be betrayed. He would be beaten. He would be whipped. He would be hung on that cross. So he was right there. And three times he asked the Father, Lord, if this cup can pass me by. But Lord, let your will be done. And we are right here. And some of us, we are standing in trials, maybe a physical trial, maybe a financial trial, maybe an emotional trial. That's why Jesus said that this was his body and it was broken. That God is bigger than every problem that we face. Can I hear an amen? Yes, amen. God is bigger than your problem. And then he says, this is my body that was broken for you. And do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread. Thank you. Amen. And as we get ready to drink of the cup, you know, I'm reminded that his forgiveness, fear cannot attach to us. There's nothing that can attach to us because we are forgiven. And when I look at the cup this morning, I look at a cup of love, his ongoing love being poured out in us, his enduring love, his unfailing love. It can never run out on us. So let's drink of the cup as he poured out his love in us. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And as a seal in remembrance of him, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. I don't know if it's on the screen. There it is. Let's say it together. Our Father, Father who art in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Somebody give him praise. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know that cathedral is a church on the move. There's so many good stuff taking place. So let's look up some of the announcements right there on the screen. And have a seat. Hello, Cathedral friends and family. We've got some exciting things coming up. Here's what's going on. First off, if you're new around here, welcome. We are so glad that you joined with us today. We would love to get to know you just a little bit better and let you know what we do here at the church. So don't be shy. Go ahead and take out your phone and scan that QR code on the screen, text the number, or see one of our team members. Well, our marriage conference is finally here. Ignite happens this week on Friday night and Saturday morning. And if you haven't already registered, now is the time for you to sign up. We have an incredible lineup of speakers. So whether you are engaged, recently married, or you've been married for so long that you have to go back and count every time you have an anniversary, how long it's been, this marriage conference is for you. You can attend indoors, outdoors and even online so don't hesitate register today and believe it or not Easter season is just around the corner if you would like to take part in sharing the gospel through dance drama tech or behind the scenes work 
with the church, we encourage you to reach out to the church office. Contact Julie Nguyen for more information. And as always, for everything that's happening here at the church, you can visit us at our website, follow us on social media, or give us a call at the church office. Have a great weekend. Well, good morning, Cathedral of Faith family. It's great to be together. One of the things about Cathedral of Faith is this. We're a place where everybody's welcome, where no one is perfect, where anything is possible, and where the, where the love is lived out. Now, notice it didn't just say where love is lived out. No, it's not just any kind of love. It's where the love is lived out, the love of God, unconditional love, love that's serving, love that blesses, love that cares for others. That's who we are, a place where the love is lived out because God has always, from the very beginning of time, been looking for a people who would demonstrate here on earth what it's like in heaven, what his incredible love is like. Well, there's a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 6 that are the words of Jesus in one of the sermons he gave, and here's a statement Jesus makes. He says, you can tell where your heart is by what you invest in. Let's say that together. You can tell where your heart is by what you invest in. How you invest your time, your energy, your focus, your finances. That sort of says where your heart is. Well, you don't have to know me very long to know where part of my attention is. I have tens of thousands of books. But these are just some of my books on marriage. Because through the years, Diane and I have gone through these work, books, we've prayed through them, we've read them, we've enjoyed them about having emotional strength, having a great relationship emotionally and socially and physically and spiritually. And we, we wanted to make sure we lived marriage the way God intended. And so that's why we've gone through many of these books together because we've made an investment there. That's important to us. And I want to encourage you one more time, if you're, if you're still holding out, one of the best investments you can make in letting the love of God be lived through you in your home is through coming to the marriage conference this weekend. Please grab hold of that. Be part of it. Even those of you watching online, you can do an online version of it even if you're not comfortable coming out yet or you live very far away. We'd love to have you be part of this. This is a great opportunity to you invest and continue to let a healthy marriage be even healthier. A marriage is struggling, grow stronger. I encourage you to come out and join us. Let me go back to that passage of scripture from Matthew 6 one more time. Here's how the NIV translation says it. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever you place your treasure really reveals where your heart is. And in this moment of bringing tithes and offerings, it's a moment when we get to demonstrate, God, my heart is in your love, your kingdom, your love lived out through cathedral. My heart is in your purposes. And so as we bring our tithes and offerings, you can do that in a variety of ways. Those of you at home can go online, you can open up the app, you can text to the number that's on the screen. Our ushers are here in the sanctuary, if you like an envelope, they'll be receiving your investment at the end of service. You can also write a check and mail it to their church office or drop it by. Those are ways that you reveal where your heart really is. Because wherever your treasure is, it's saying, hmm, I see what your priorities are. And I trust that your priorities are that the love of God is being lived out here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, we're about to hear another powerful message on the love of God in love language as pastor, the love has lived out himself. Pastor Ken comes to bring it to us. Take a look at the screens.
hello, Cathedral. God is good. And all the time, it is so great to see everybody, those who are in the room, those who are out in the amphitheater, in the drive-in, and those who are watching online. Thanks so much for joining with us. And I hope you know how much your pastor loves you. In fact, I saw a sign that reflected how I feel. It said this. It said, I love you with all my belly. I would say my heart, but my belly is bigger. <laughs> Especially after that food last weekend. My goodness. Well, we have been looking at the love language here at Cathedral of Faith. What is the language of love and how can we learn to use that language in our own lives? And one of the reasons I'm... I, I, Boy, I'm so proud of our cathedral family, is that this is a place where not only the love is lived out, but where we take what we learn on the weekends, and then we share what we learn during the week, and it really can have a transformational impact. Someone shared with me last week a story, how they had heard the first message in this series, and how that week they had a chance to put it into practice, that there was a young man who, uh, he grew up in an Amish family. But when he left that family, uh, he got cut off. Uh, when he left that tradition, he got cut off from the family. And so for three years, he's been cut off from his family. And so the grandmother was sick, and now she's dying, and so he wants to go visit her. He doesn't want there to be that disconnect, but he's just not sure what to do. And so the person who's a part of Cathedral, he had heard me say that Love is more powerful than any argument you can make. Can somebody say amen to that? That love's a powerful force. The most powerful force in the world is the Holy Spirit-infused love. And so that young man prayed, and he drove the 15 hours to try and go see his grandma. And he knocked on the door, and his grandpa opened it. And he greeted his grandpa, but his grandpa wouldn't let him in said, you can't see her. And so the young man said, I love you, Grandpa. And he left. He came back the next day. Same thing happened. Grandpa refused to let him in. Once again, he said, I love you, Grandpa. The next day, he came back one more time because love perseveres. Can somebody say amen to that? And when he came back the third time, the grandfather broke down in tears. He opened the door. He let him come in and see his grandma before she passed away. And I, let me read the last part of this testimony. After the third day, his grandfather broke down and let him in, and he was able to see his grandmother before she died. The relationship is not completely healed, but his grandfather is speaking to him again, love conquers all. Can we give God praise, amen, over the power of love? Love conquers all. And the Bible is filled with the message of love. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, we read, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. Say it with me. We should love one another. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, would you read it with me? Love one another deeply from the heart. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, we read this. Would you say it with me? Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. And did you know that more and more studies are showing that literally your life does depend upon it? There was a study that was done right here in the Bay Area by a team from Harvard. And they studied the lives of 7,000 people over a long period of time. And here's what they discovered. They wanted to see what was the impact of love and longevity. And they found that people who have a lot of love in their life, meaningful connections, significant relationships, that on the whole, they tended to outlive people who were more isolated and more disconnected from others. In fact, what surprised them was that well, it really had an impact even on their, the habits that they kept. Let me see if I can explain. The people who had a lot of love but had bad, healthy habits, they didn't 
eat what they should. They didn't exercise like they should. They drank too much. They smoked too much. That those people with bad health habits, but they had a lot of love, that they still outlived people who had good health habits, but not a lot of love. Can you believe that? In fact, I could sum up the findings of that study this way. It says this. It says, it's better to eat a box of Twinkies with someone you love than to eat a bunch of broccoli all by yourself. <laughs> that is the power of love. And once more, we're going to turn to the passage on love in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to invite you to stand with me, if you would, wherever you're at up in the balcony. It's great to see you here today. And this is Paul's iconic description of love. What poetry, what power in his description. Let me read it to you. Love is patient and kind. Remember, those are two sides of the same coin. We looked at that last week. Love is not jealous. It does not brag. It is not proud. Love is not rude. It is not selfish. And it cannot be made angry easily. Love does not remember wrongs done against it. Love is never happy when others do wrong, but it always is happy with the truth. Love never gives up on people. It never stops trusting. Love, it never loses hope. It never quits. It continues. Love will never end. Can somebody say amen to that? And then it's going to give us an eternal perspective between what we have now and what we'll see later. It says, but all those gifts, the spiritual gifts that are operating in our lives, they'll all come to an end. Even the gift of prophecy, the gift of speaking in different kinds of languages, the gift of knowledge, these will all end because this knowledge and these prophecies we have are not complete. But when perfection comes, the things that are not complete, they'll end. And then he uses this image to describe it. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I made plans like a child. But when I became a man, I stopped those childish ways. It's the same with us. Now we see God as if we are looking at a reflection in a mirror. But then, in the future, we will see him right before our eyes. Anybody looking forward to that day? Wow. What a day that's going to be. Let's continue. Now, I know only a part, but at that time, I will know Philly. There's so much that we don't understand on this side of heaven, but there's a day coming when we will know fully as God has known me. So in the big picture, there are three essentials. These three things remain. If you miss everything out, get these three things. It says faith, hope, and love and the greatest of these is what? The greatest is what? Love is the most important thing of all. Can we give God praise for the wisdom that we find in his word? It helps us to know what to focus on in life. Father, thank you for this wonderful cathedral family. Wherever they're at on campus, our guests and friends that are with us, those watching online, Lord, I, I thank you. They've set aside this space to come and meet you in this moment. And I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, a lot of things will be shared. But I pray that they'll hear the one thing that they need to hear today. That you'll give them their takeaway for the week. And by putting it into practice through the power of your Holy Spirit, our lives will be changed in the best kind of way. Start with me, O oh God. And we pray this in Jesus' name for Jesus' glory. And all God's people said, amen. amen. One more time, can we give God praise? God is so good. Thank you, God, for loving us like you do. He is the source of love. Well, just to reflect that study that we're growing in love, look at somebody and tell them, I'm feeling healthier already. Go ahead. Yeah. Love is a powerful force. Now, I want to have a little fun today in looking at three big concepts. And you may remember back in the day, a television show by the name of Saturday Night Live had a skit called Wayne's World. 
there were two guys in the skit, Wayne and Garth. And recently, in the Super Bowl, they brought back those two characters to include them in a commercial. See if this brings back any memories. And we're back. 2020, man, that was a great year. Not. Not. Would you say that with me? Not. Would you say it one more time? Not. One way of understanding what something is is by understanding what it is not. Now, one of the great minds in the history of the Christian church was a man by the name of Thomas Aquinas. And he described this way of attaining knowledge as apophatic, that this is knowledge gained through negation. You understand what something is by understanding what it is not. Well, apophatic is a word that's way too hard for me to repeat. So I'm going to borrow slash steal from Wayne and Garth today, and I want to look at what love is by looking at what it is not, and we start right here, that love is not self-seeking. In fact, other translations of 1 Corinthians 13, 5 read, love has good manners and does not pursue selfish advantage. Love is not always me first. Love is self-seeking not, that's the Wayne and Garth translation. <laughs> Love is self-seeking, not. And yet that self-seeking part of us, I, a while back I was reading an article that was done with the music star Madonna. And she talked about how before she had kids, that boy, everything was all about her. You know, everything was catered to her. You know, it revolved around her. It's centered on her. Uh, she put it this way. She described her life like this. She said, I had no kids, and so it was a very me, me, me universe. And then she had kids, and all of that changed. Any parents know what I'm talking about? And she said it was having kids that, that made her world more than just about me, me, me. She had a vision of life that was bigger than that. And broader than that, and I was thinking when I read that interview, I know exactly what she's talking about. Now, I was never a big worldwide rock star. Uh, I was just a simple pastor's kid. But when I was growing up, one of the things I was trying to do, it, I was trying to be uh, and, and humble and unselfish and to live my life serving God and serving others, and I thought I was doing a great job at it, and then I got married. Hello! And I found out that there was a still a lot of that me, me, me universe right in here. And then we had kids, and it took it to a whole new level. Someone once said, if parenting was easy, it wouldn't start with something called labor. Parenting showed me that I still had a lot of me, me, me universe in here. And then, at another stage of life, when my parents got older, and they needed a lot more help than they used to, do you know I still found out? I had a lot of me, me, me universe. And each one of these, I guess what I'm saying is, I still, I've been at it a long time, but I'm still on the journey. I still have room for growth. And each one of these relationships, they weren't just relationships, they were classrooms for me, where God was teaching me to go to a whole new level, of, a level of living beyond myself, getting out of a me, me, me universe. I mean, is this the most difficult thing to put into practice, out of all that we understand about love, living beyond ourselves, there just seems to be a gene on the inside of us that is a selfish gene, and to overcome that, well, what can help us 
to overcome that selfish gene which seems to be so deeply embedded in each of our lives. That's why we have to look to Jesus. Can someone say amen to that? We have to look to Jesus. Yeah, let's give him praise, amen? Hallelujah. Because Jesus is the model, and Jesus gives us the power to do what you and I could never do on our own. Even though the universe does revolve around Jesus, have you thought about that? I mean, there are people, I know people, who think that the universe revolves around them, but it doesn't really revolve around them. Jesus, on the other hand, the universe really does revolve around him. He's the one that holds it all together. And yet Jesus models an unselfish spirit. When he comes all the way from heaven to earth, Philippians 2 verse 5 puts it this way. It says, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. He gives us a picture and then he gives us the power. What could we do to alter our mindset just a little bit this week. If you're not getting married this week or you're not giving birth this week or your parents still play golf three times a week and they don't need a lot of help, what could you still do to take on a different mindset? Well, I have a suggestion. We read a moment ago that love does not always put itself first. And so here's the cathedral challenge for the week. Let others go first. Would you say that with me? Let others go first. Very intentionally, once a day for the next seven days, find a situation, and instead of you pushing your way to the front, let somebody else go first. On your way out of the parking lot today, <laughs> let someone else go first. When you're on your way into the mall, stop, open the door, and let someone else go first. When you're at the restaurant and they call your name, instead of jumping in and going for your reservation, let the couple behind you go first. And when they ask you, why are you doing this? You can tell them, my crazy pastor. <laughs> he thinks that God has the power to alter our mindsets. And so this week, all of our church family is putting it into practice letting others grow first because we're learning to live a life of love. Amen? Let others go first. Say that with me. Let others go first. That's the cathedral challenge for the week. Now I want to take you to the next thing that love is not. Love is not easily angered. It's not. Another translation has, love doesn't fly off the handle. Another translation says, love is not touchy. Uh-oh. And of course, Wayne and Garth would say, love is easily angered. Not. Exactly. I saw this one couple that was in for therapy, and the wife said to, to the therapist, well, he's always had a short fuse. And... When you think about it, we all know what a short fuse is. And if you know someone who has a short fuse, then you know that, boy, anything can set them off quickly. They're quick-tempered. They fly off the handle. They're very touchy. And the problem with being a quick-tempered person is that you often do things or say things that you regret later and that destroy the very people that mean the most to you. That's why Proverbs has so much wisdom. And Proverbs says, a quick-tempered person does foolish things. And we do. And let me tell you why it's so hard right now to not be a quick-tempered person. Because it seems to me we live in a culture, social scientists say we live in the age of outrage. The age of outrage. 
And you don't even need a study to discover this. Just get on social media. And look at all the ranting on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube. Everybody is ranting. Ranting about this. Ranting about that. You're ranting. I mean, we are addicted to ranting. And love is not easily offended, but we're offended by everything. Love is not touchy, but we're touchy about everything. And it spills over onto social media and we find an age of outrage that we're in. Now, it's interesting. If you go back to the first few centuries of the Christian church, the early church, they were known for five distinct things that characterized them. First of all, they were known for being remarkably diverse. They were multi-ethnic. That was unusual back then. They were known for being extremely generous toward the poor. That was not a value in the society back then. This is what Christians did. They were known for having a non-retaliatory spirit, which again was very countercultural. They were known for caring for the life of all infants, because in that day, if you had a child and it had any defect at all, you could go and just throw it over a cliff. It was done all the time. Children were not treated as having great value. And then they had high regard for sexual purity. These were five things that were true of the Christian church in the first few centuries. And I was thinking, when you think of the political divide in this country, you know, one party tends to focus on these first two, the other party tends to focus on these last two, but nobody focuses on this, a non-retaliatory spirit. And so we have all this outrage all the time, everywhere you look, and the big question is this, living in this age of outrage, it's around us, and it's so easy to get in us. And before we know it, we've got a short fuse too. How did that happen? Now, what can we do to get countercultural and begin to lengthen the fuse in our lives? It's not about getting rid of all of our anger. If you're never angry about anything, you may have lost your moral pulse. So there are times we should be angry, but it's about not being quick-tempered, lengthening that fuse. What can we do? Here's an idea I want to throw out to you and see if this speaks to you today. Adjust your expectations. Say that with me. Adjust your expectations. If you're a perfectionist like me, and you have too high of expectations of yourself, too high of expectations of others, that you expect to live in a perfect world with perfect people, guess what? You're setting yourselves up for frustration. Or if you have expectations that everybody you meet is going to agree with you, that everybody is going to see eye to eye to you, or that the world is going to go according to your plan, guess what? You're setting yourselves up for frustration. But instead, if we'll have more realistic expectations about life, Dr. Archibald Hart, one of the leading Christian psychologists in the country, he said this. He said, trim down what you expect from others to a reasonable level. Would that help to lengthen the fuse in your life? If you trim down your expectations to a reasonable level with your kids, with your spouse, at work, with your friends. See, love is not easily angered. Instead, we can be even-tempered, even in an age of outrage. With the help of God, we can, and all God's people said, amen. Let's give him praise, amen. Hallelujah. He can help us to live differently. He really can. Now that brings us to the last description of what love is by looking at what it's not. It says love keeps no record of wrongs. And then it continues, love does not remember wrongs done against it. 
that love does not tally wrongs, that love keeps record of wrongs, not, say it with me, not. One of my favorite stories is about two buddies and they're talking and one of them's just, you know, he says, my wife, man, every time we get in an argument, she gets historical. And his buddy says, oh, you mean hysterical? And he said, no, I mean historical. She, she lists everything I've ever done wrong over the last 20 years. And do you know that's one way we can live life? When somebody wrongs us, and they do, we tally it up. You know, last week, this is what they did to me. Last month, this is what they did to me. Last year, this is what they did to me. Last 10 to 10 years ago, they did that to me. And 20 years ago, they did that to me. And we tally it up and we keep a record. We do. And we go over it again and again and again. We rehearse it. We nurse it and we rehearse it. They hurt us once. And with that hurt, will you let them hurt us again and again and again? Do you know what I've seen? You know, after 40 years of pastoring, someone needs to know this today. You know, there are things we do, we can do in a marriage that, that really are highly destructive to that relationship. Sins we commit. But one of the most highly destructive things that can just destroy a relationship and diminish the soul of a partner is when they commit a sin or a mistake and the other partner refuses to forgive. And they use it to hit them over the head like a baseball bat again and again and again, month after month, year after year, until they destroy the spirit of the other person in a quest to give them the punishment they deserve. And in the process, they destroy any hope of their marriage coming back from that sin. And that's why the Bible gives us great words of wisdom. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Here's how you can save a relationship. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Yeah, let's give God praise for his word. Amen. <laughs> forgive one another. What is forgiveness? It doesn't mean you deny the wrong or you ignore the wrong. What was done was wrong. That's why it needs to be forgiven. But what you do is this. You take that page... And you simply clear the record. You refuse to carry a grudge. You give up your right to strike back. You surrender it to God. And you say, I'm clearing their record. And when you do that, I know there's got to be at least someone that's saying, oh, Ken, I know what I should do. But I just don't see how. You don't know what was done to me, and boy, it hurt me so bad. It marked my soul, and I just don't see how I could ever forgive. You're right. I don't know what was done to you, but you know who does? Jesus does. And Jesus has the power if you give him something to work with. The disciples were once struggling with forgiveness. The idea that they had to forgive others over and over and over again. And Jesus said, look, this kind of thing, it's impossible with man, but it's possible with God. And he said, if you just give me something to work with, give me faith as small as a mustard seed. Or let me put it this way, even if you don't have the desire to forgive, come to God and say, I have the desire to have the desire to forgive. Give Jesus anything to work with, and the power of God can ride in on that moment. And over time, with the help of God, you can find yourself forgiving that other person and wishing them good in their life. And love is the only thing. I love what Martin Luther King said. He said, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. 
That is the power of love. Can we give God praise for that kind of power? Amen. In just a moment, Jessica's going to come out and the, with the youth team. And boy, it's going to be a great song as we celebrate the love that we've received from God. But before they do, let me tell you about one of my heroes. Many years ago, there was a six-year-old black girl called Ruby Bridges. And she was the first one to go to this all-white school because back then schools were segregated. And I was thinking, because of the courage she showed back then, do you know that each week on campus, we have over 700 students at our charter school that are from 30 to 40 different nationalities. Can we give God praise for that? It's an amazing thing. I see it every day. Kids who are laughing together and learning together. And I thought, in a sense, we're able to do what we're able to do today because she did what she did way back then. She had courage to go to this all-white school. And when she did, when she walked to school, boy, it was a big national event. And there were press and there were police and there were angry mobs screaming. She's six years old, for goodness sakes. And they're screaming at her. And as she walked up those steps, she was saying some words under her breath. And later on, this Harvard psychiatrist who had been working with her to help her navigate this whole thing, he asked her what she was saying. But instead of me telling you, watch this and you can see it for yourself. Don't look. Hold it, guys. No, Ruby. Come back, sweetie. Well, honey, I saw you talking to them. Did you finally get angry with them? Did you tell them to just leave you alone? No, I didn't tell them anything. I didn't talk to them. But, Ruby, I was there. I saw your lips moving. I wasn't talking to them. I was praying for them. Praying for them? Yes. I pray for them every day in the car. But I forgot that day. Oh. What prayer did you say? Please, God. Forgive these people, because even if they say those mean things, they don't know what they're doing, so you can forgive them, just like you did those folks a long time ago, when they said terrible things about you. Wow, a little child shall lead them, amen? And do you know that kind of love made such an impact on that Harvard psychiatrist that he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Love is the most powerful force in the world. And that's why it's the most important thing in the world. I'm going to invite you to stand if you would and just lock in with me for a moment, to have a moment with you and God. Bow your heads, close your eyes, wherever you're at on campus, those watching online. Just really focus in, what is God speaking to your heart about today? Is there someone you need to forgive? Boy, have you just gotten caught up in the, the age of outrage and you need God to lengthen that fuse a little bit this week? Or like me, you still battle with that selfish gene, that me, me, me universe. and Boy, just that God would change your mindset and give you a different kind of automatic go-to that's living beyond yourself. Wherever you're at today, I just want to pray with you and for you. Lord, I thank you again for our cathedral family. We're all on the journey, this journey of love. All of us have room to grow. Lord, I thank you for that this is indeed a place where the love is being lived out and we continue to learn and grow. And we keep the main thing the main thing. There's lots of things that try to distract us, but the main thing is that we learn to live a life of love. This is our main purpose in life. 
And God, as we get close to you, you are the source of love. And as we move close to you, we feel the force of that love coming in us and through us this week. And we pray this would happen. Fill our hearts and our homes and our families with your love. In Jesus' name we pray this. All God's people said, amen. Let's give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, cathedral, God is good. And all the time. Well, I hope you're ready to celebrate because Jessica and the youth are coming to celebrate the love of God. Jessica and the dance team, let them know how much you appreciate them helping us to celebrate the love of God today. Oh, we're going to go out with that. Some in our spirit, the love of God. Just a couple quick things. 
before, uh, if you need prayer, our team will be out at the amphitheater to pray with you and pray for you right at the stage. And then don't forget, you, know, you can sign up for uh, the marriage conference. If you haven't done so yet, you can do that right here. You can do it online. And in fact, on the way out, everyone is going to get one of these. I love fortune cookies. And you're going to get one. And when you open it, would you look at that? What does this say? Need a date night? Register for Ignite Marriage Conference. <laughs> oh, Cathedral, I see lots of love and laughter in your future. Amen. And so, again, thanks so much for being here. Next weekend, Jamie Jones is going to be here with us. One of the guys that's speaking at the conference has agreed to stay over and speak for us next Sunday. And so it's going to be a great, great weekend next weekend. It's a great weekend to invite a friend or family member out. Let me speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And every day, may God fill you with his love. Let it fill your heart. Let it fill your home. In Jesus' name, I pray, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let it be so. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you as you go.